Hi, this is Joe from Sunscape Interlock, and you're listening to the SME Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. we got a great episode today. We have Joe Galuzzo from Sunscape Interlock and Landscape Solutions. So just a little bit of background of uh, Sunscape. Sunscape Interlocked and Landscape Solutions is a company that specializes in custom, high-quality artscape and landscape products and services. They have over 20 years' experience and take tremendous pride in their work. They currently service York Region, Toronto, and surrounding areas. Now, the funny thing is I've known Joe since my personal training days back in 2000 and probably seven, eight, maybe? We were all working at the same gym. Joe himself actually was not just a personal trainer, but also a fitness consultant. So fitness consultants were the ones that they would do your assessment, your fitness assessment. So Joe has great skills in sitting down with the clients, talking to them, trying to establish what their needs and wants are and proposing the right solution for it. So this works really well with Sunscape Interlock and Landscape Solutions. So he's got some great stories that you're going to want to hear, especially for those wanting to get started into the landscaping space. So sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Joe with us from Sunscape Interlock and Landscape Solutions. Joe, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Oh, living the dream like they always say, but I still don't know what that means. So <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> That or I can't remember what's another phrase when someone says, oh, how are you? I'm like, you know, I can't even think of the, I can't even think of the phrase. Never mind. So, <laughs> Anyways, so Sunscape Interlock and Landscape Solutions. What is your story? Mostly Aurora and Newmarket, but uh, we do all of uh, your region. Uh, we've been doing this for like over 20 years. I started the company in 2016. I like to cater towards the more custom artistic interlock, the cardscape. Uh, landscape, softscape, we do a little bit of everything. The only thing we don't do is maintenance. It's just the hardscape building. It's like landscape construction. What is there between the hardscape, softscape, and landscape? Because I think everyone, most people think, oh, I need to get something done to my my yard or my garage. Oh, it's going to be landscape. Can you define the three, uh, the different uh, ones we just talked about? Well, softscape is more like um, grass, soil, plants, shrubs, trees. And then hardscape is all the like uh, stonework, Armor stone or flagstone, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No problem. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we got that uh, understood there. So when you use those terms, uh, people know what they're talking about. So, sorry, continue with your story. So you said you started about 20 years ago. You're more on the custom side and and the different areas you're seeing. Uh, So, what are the capabilities of what you guys can do? We do driveways. We can pretty much remodel like everything around the outside of your house. So, we do driveways, walkways, gardens. Uh, we work around pools. We regrade properties uh, with topsoil and and sod. We'll do gardening. Like we'll actually we we can do some planting as well. We also do like uh, a lot of people have um, a lot of houses have issues on on um, when you walk outside on the porch. Sometimes the the concrete integrity is not the greatest. We can mm-hmm. we can fix that up and make it look nice and face it with uh, nice flagstone. That have like a nice rock face on it. Yeah, that's it's pretty much anything that is interlocking and landscaping. We pretty much will do. Okay, no, that's great to hear, Joe. And and just so people understand as well, like, so what was it about getting into this space that that really drew you? What drew you to like the landscaping, the hardscape? What what, what brought you into this in, this industry? Um, so I'm pretty artistic. Like I like to draw, and uh, I'm pretty physical as well. And I feel like the two put together it's pretty much what i'm passionate about i like being physical i like being artistic um, i like dealing with new people like talking to new people um i like the way stonework looks i'm like really into stonework and i was taught how to do this from a young age uh, my father started doing it so i pretty much learned it from him and i worked for him for like a long time and then i started my own business oh wow that's pretty cool so you, it's funny when you mentioned that you were artistic and then the first thing you think of is, you know, hardscape and landscape, because I guess most people think that, oh, what do you mean artistic? It's just you put stone on the ground, but it's not, it's more to it than that, right? Like you said, like there's that create, that vision that you're trying to work with a client to try to figure out what exactly they're looking for and uh, trying to, you know, put it on. And it's one of those things that honestly, once you finish a job, you can literally, as, as they say, literally step back and look and take a look at it, right? 
Yeah, it's like anything. If you look at a car and you look at how it's designed, some people might look at it and be like, ah, oh, it's just a car, it's a box, it's wheels, but it takes a lot of engineering and a lot of artwork, a lot of uh, planning and design to create that that vehicle. You know, some people look at it a certain way, right? With, yeah. with the landscaping, you can tell the difference between a company that would not have the artistic eye and a company that does. As, as also, you can also tell if somebody's using proper materials and doing the due diligence with uh, going deep enough with the base and 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 keeping it so solid and it lasts through the frost. Because that's like a big thing. What we do is you got to make sure that it lasts lasts a long time without it heaving. Like you're going to get a little bit of that, but uh, that's another part of it that uh, got to really um, make sure you cross your T and dot your eyes with. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'll, let's, I'll make this story real fast. So we got some landscape. This is just, uh, I guess, the landscaping done on our on our property probably a couple of years ago. I went to some local person. I didn't really know who they were. I guess, you know, just Google it and just did it. And they did the job okay, because all we were saying is, okay, we want, because we had inherited, when we bought this property probably back in 2014 or so, the front yard, it looked like, you know, I would probably say it looked like a swamp in terms of like these really big plant flowers. It looks like it's almost covering the walkway. So we decided to get someone to clean it up. So they pulled out a lot of this stuff. And then we had like a few, um, I guess, some simpler, like perennial type of plants that, you know, they're not going to grow too wild and, you know, they'll they'll survive the winter. So I asked them to pay, I you know, I paid a few hundred dollars. Okay, can you guys, you know, dig this out, remove all these dead weeds or remove all these things and put in these new stuff and they did it and they they covered it with mulch and my assumption was and this is my mistake of mine i thought they would have put some type of you know fabric i guess this i don't know what you call it landscape fabric or something like that where it's just to prevent from weeds from going through and growing from underneath is that right so i thought that they were going to do that and then i started noticing that there's a lot more weeds growing on this side of the on where we just had it landscaped within like a year or two. And I'm looking and I start, I push all the mulch back cause it was covering it. So I push all the mulch back. It's just bare soil. And I'm like, wait a minute, where is the, the fabric that I asked for? So, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, you, you, you can, like, I think what Joe was saying as well is that you really got to make sure you're using the right materials. And I guess this particular company that we hired did not use the right materials. And then we were stuck with, okay, now we got to find a way to, have to pull out the weeds all the time or do something else, right? Yeah, that's the challenging part about doing this kind of business. If you're doing, if you're, if you're passionate about it and you want to do things correctly, is uh, pricing includes stuff that you don't see, and sometimes people don't see what goes into the job. And you can get somebody that comes in and do do a job in a day or two when you're not home and you can't see the process, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of rushing it and just to get to the next one and that does happen there's, there's a lot of that and i understand from the homeowner's perspective they want to save money but uh, you really got to look into i think when you get a landscaper um, unless you're trying a new company you should always have referrals of uh different jobs like i mean i have customers that ask me and i i send them i can send them to customers houses i have customers that are okay if somebody comes and takes a look we always make sure that we can give them some kind of reference because it is an investment and uh it's also like a safety thing too like when you're building a structure outside somebody's house you want to make sure that it's designed and built properly so people aren't slipping off of it and falling and there's nothing protruding you know you want to make it so it's aesthetic but also functional as well yeah tripping hazards especially if you're doing like porches or stairs or something like that right yeah and i've seen that a lot when we go and do like uh when we remodel something or renovate something you'll see that there's the previous contractor or just over time things kind of fall apart older materials people used to use blocks or steps and those they're they're like because they're all separate entities from each other they tend to heave and then the caps on them heave and it's better just to have a solid step which is everything's you know evolution everything is evolving so now they they have like solid steps and then there's natural steps that are just one solid step that you put in and as long as you got the base and you put it in level uh it lasts a lot longer than the blocks that base and they look a lot nicer too they're more modern looking 
Right, right. So then tell me, so now we're just in, now we're, we're recording this in March right now. The weather is starting to get nicer now. So how, like for this year in 2022, what kind of growth and sales growth are you looking for this year, Joe? <laughs> I'd like to double everything. <laughs> I got more guys. So, I mean, that's the big, the biggest thing for me. It wasn't, uh, it's not necessarily just the sales. It's like what I can do. So like, I don't want to take on too much, but now I've got a couple of guys that are good. And then I have like a couple of guys that can come on that are really good as well, but just kind of like part-time. So I actually can service a lot more. So I'd like to do one and a half times what I normally do, to be honest. That's what I'm aiming for, really. No, that's great to hear. I mean, it's it's almost like a good problem to have, right, Joe? It's it's one of those things, if you were telling me, well, Ken, I don't know about growth this year. We're kind of struggling. Then I'm like, okay, that's a bit of a thing. But the problem that you have is a nice problem to have. It's like, I'm not worried about sales. I want to make everything bigger. We have more people so we can service more more clients. And I'm like, that's great. So for some of those people now, when you look into the actual landscaping business now, now what is kind of in your experience, what's been the biggest expense you've kind of uh, been seeing over the last few years? Well, right now the material is going up quite a bit. It's gone up a lot in the past six months. It's, it's gone up quite a bit with because of the, sh- the cost of the shipping containers. That's what I was told. It's the cost of the shipping containers. And then on top of it going up as much as it has, it's going up another 10% in the next month. So my customers that I'm servicing in spring right now, I'm trying to get as many of them as I can and save them as much money as I can with the old prices right now. So I've been talking to a few of my customers and we're, we're ordering things ahead of time, which quite a few landscape companies are doing that from what I've seen. The story over the last year or so was when like lumber prices were really high. So you know, people would go to Home Depot or whatever to try to buy wood and it was so expensive. But you're, the material you're talking about, too, is like a lot of the interlocking and the stones you're talking about as well. That's also gone up, you said, right? Yeah, but it's still cheaper than lumber. So like when the lumber price went up, like a lot of people were calling us saying we were going to do a deck, but we can do because like most of the time when you do stone work, it's the most expensive thing you can do outside compared to like wood. Mm-hmm. And it, it like most people like stonework more than a deck. Like it, they just like it because it looks more, it looks more upscale to have like a nice interlocking pad with nice looking pavers and a nice border. Like it looks, it looks nicer. So last year people were calling me and telling me it's too expensive to do lumber and uh, we want to do stonework. I've never had that happen before last year because the lumber was always cheaper than the stone. And I still think. I don't know what lumber is right now, but I still feel like it's cheaper than stonework still. Because you can still get, it's gone up. Like the, the interlocking has gone up. It's more than natural stone that's really gone up. That's the one that's like jumping up like crazy. Um, is the natural stone. But the interlocking is, is different. But now, now that the, the cost, I think it's going to be gas. I think gas is going to be the biggest thing. Like just to fill a 1500 truck is like $160 depending on the size of your truck. And then if you get a, you get a one that's one up from that, you're, you're almost like you're into like 200. That's with gas. It's like it's a lot more money to fill everything up. Even the machines like put diesel in the, in the Bobcat. Oh, I see. And, gas okay. in the, and all the machines. No, th- that's good to hear. Cause I mean, I guess when I was first listening, I thought you were talking about like the cost of gas to have everything shipped to, you know, your site or to, or whether it's you guys picking up the material or the companies delivering it to your location, wherever the job site is. The cost of gas. I didn't. I, I totally forgot about the Bobcat, right? So that uh, that machine that helps dig and all that, all that sort of stuff also needs gas as well. So yeah, fuel prices are really crazy nowadays, right? So yeah, I, I guess it really translates to not just the regular daily driver, but it affects a lot of businesses specifically, especially yours. Oh yeah, especially when you're running machinery and stuff. It, it's uh, yeah, it's expensive, and then when you're you got to really. With this business too, another expense that when you're newer, I know I'd made this mistake when I was like, you know, newer into the business. Um, you can sometimes have one drop in one area and then you're like you know, 10 kilometers away and you try to plan them at the same time. And it's, it's better to have all your jobs in the same area that you're working on. If you're going to do more than one at once, I like to just do one job at once and go to the next one. I don't like being in the middle of three jobs. And that's something that, homeowners get really frustrated with um, if you got more than one job going because you're always bouncing around. 
Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. What people don't realize that, I think, especially those who haven't done a lot of renovations, is that I guess maybe when they when they see some of those show like you know those renovation shows on TV, they're like, oh wow, look, they were going to get all this work done, and it seemed and, and they managed to cram it into thirty minutes. But they're like, oh yeah, they probably just took them maybe a few days job to do that. But then what they don't understand is that for a lot of these, even these renovation shows, you know, depending on which show it is, they're usually work on several jobs at once, right? And I guess the some of the the the, the practice that most I guess contractors do is you know to try and, you know, like you said, schedule multiple jobs relatively within the same kind of area. So they're not going, and then they're doing a little bit here, a little bit there, and a little bit there, because I guess it depends unless you have a a tire crew that can literally do everything from A to Z right then and there, you know, you might have to be waiting on another subcontractor to do a certain function of the job, right? Yeah. What dots we do, we try to just specify with just the landscaping and interlock. I used to do like, I used to get into like paving and stuff, but I just kind of stick with what I do. Like, I just like to stick with the interlocking, mm-hmm. the stuff that we specialize in and the, and the landscaping. Like, uh, if somebody needs to resod their property, we'll do that too. Like, I'm, I'm, that's the first job this year I'm doing. We're facing a porch. It's a big job. So there's a whole bunch of things we have to do there. But yeah, I always try to make sure that we're doing everything like one job at a time. Um, if we do more than one job, it's just excavating. We'll excavate like two at once or three at once, and then we'll let them settle. Right. Those type of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. I just don't like bouncing around, especially like when you have to cut and do like intricate stuff, like you need to put your full focus on it. And if you're focusing on the cutting and the the intricate part of the job, your focus gets shifted if you have all these other jobs because it becomes stressful. And I just don't. I don't think when you're stretched out and human beings are not going to have multitasking. That's like, you know, we, we already know that we're not capable of doing that. You're better off focusing on one thing. And I like to be on the job all the time. So like if I had, I could leave a couple of guys on the job, but I prefer to just be on the job the whole time and just have like all of us like on the job at once, finishing the job and then go to the next one. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, I mean, so let's talk about social media here for a second. So, I mean, this is not a social media podcast. Uh, how do you do your social media for your business and what tools do you currently use right now? Um, right now, I, so last year, it was crazy. I got so much work off of Facebook and it wasn't even me like really, I didn't even advertise on Facebook. It was just like people were putting me on the groups and then I would go to somebody's house and I would get the jobs. And a lot of my jobs last year came off Facebook and I'm still, I still get a lot of stuff off Facebook. Um, I do have an Instagram account as well. I have Facebook and Instagram from what I hear. Now, a lot of people are even really looking at the website so much. It's more like the Facebook and to update a website is a lot. It takes a lot longer than to update a Facebook page. Like my Facebook has updated pictures, whereas my website, um, had just like, it had stuff from like 10 years ago and I hadn't really updated it. It's just not as user friendly to update. Right. Yeah. And people misunderstand too, like don't always uh, maybe realize this, but you know, I know with Facebook and Instagram, you know, the funny thing, Facebook bought Instagram, which I I didn't know what many years ago I was like, Oh, maybe Facebook ads are really expensive. I'll just go to Instagram and try to do stuff there, but they're both on, but you can literally, I think uh, if you have a Facebook page and you have an Instagram profile, you can actually, you know, do your social media posting through, you know, that, that portal there. So you don't really, so when it updates your Facebook, it automatically updates your Instagram or vice versa, you know, so that people don't even know that's probably a good productivity hack to really figure out, right? Yeah, it's, it, they're actually amazing. I always share um, my stuff. I share it through both. Um, so I'll share it from my Facebook to my Instagram to my my business Instagram to my business on Facebook. And then I'll just share it to my personal and then 
I started up another personal account uh, recently that I just want to keep more like professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just use it to kind of like, it's almost like a cross reference. Like I've no, I've noticed even something, it's, it might sound funny, but like I big into fitness and stuff and martial arts. And I noticed even if I post something about martial arts or fitness, I'll get like work through that because somebody will see it and it's like I'm in their head, right? They're like, oh, you do landscaping. And I guess it shows like your discipline too. So like they can see who you are, right? Like you're essentially building your own personal brand when you're on a personal account. And I like people can see who you are. So they know you're real. They know that you're like, you're there. And it, I, I think it gives somebody more comfort with trusting you, right? Because you need to trust someone when you're doing renovations. Like, so many things could go wrong on a job and you need to make sure that somebody that you're dealing with is like legitimate and honest and uh, it's going to do the job. And I just find certain posts people respect just over years of, of having the three social media accounts. I know some people use Twitter and stuff like that. I've never gotten into that. I, I try to avoid being on stuff that is uh, that wastes time. And for me, I just don't, how Twitter would help my landscape company. It just doesn't, uh, I just don't see that doing anything for me. I, once again, I don't really use it, so I could be wrong, but I, I try to limit how much social media I'm using and try to stick to just business. No, no, you, you're, you're not that far off. And I think I'm very similar as well. So, I mean, for my, like my own personal thing, it's Facebook, Instagram, and in some cases, uh, LinkedIn. Those are the only three that I'll use. Uh, like you said, for like Twitter, I don't know, to me, it seems like a very, uh, it's almost like a volcano on Twitter. So it's like, you, you know, I don't really want to go into that space, right? Because I'd, I'd rather keep it something simple from a business side, keep it very professional. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Now it's time for tips from the pro. Let me get your, your, your take on the actual industry itself. So the whole landscaping industry, how has it changed over the last few years? And where do you see it going? The products are a lot nicer now. I wouldn't say the last, well, the last few years, they've engineered some newer stuff that's nice. Um, it's just, they, they come out with like a lot nicer product. Like when we first started doing it, it was like, they were like rectangle herringbone pattern bricks and they were very basic mm-hmm. and very like industrial looking. And now it's like, you can, you can make your house look like, you can make your house look amazing with the stuff that that's coming out now. Plus, uh, in the beginning, there wasn't really a lot of people using like natural, like armor stones. And now if you like everybody, almost everybody, maybe one out of like 10 people I go and quote doesn't like the armor stones, but the majority of people really like natural stone and armor stones the way it looks. So w- define the, the difference. So what is armor stone? So I, I, all I know from my limited knowledge of this, it's a very strong, really strong, robust stone, right? Yeah. It's just, a, they're just big big like nice looking rocks they usually come from up north or they're shipped in from other countries and they're very heavy you can use them to like build build retaining walls like that we blocks way back when we used to use blocks this would have been like maybe like 10 15 years ago we were using blocks for a lot of our stuff but now like armor rocks are just way stronger um you, you can build like nice gardens with them you can support like a set of steps and have like a nice entrance going towards your house with them. They're just uh, it's a really good option for retaining, and it looks really nice. It complements uh, interlock really nice, and they they come in like decent, like nice looking, like uh, modern like colors, right? Like a lot of people go with gray nowadays. Um, they have like nice veins in them. They have some beige ones and then they have some brown ones. So it pretty much matches like every color scheme. Interesting. No, no, that's good to hear. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Cause I heard Armourstone and yeah, it's remember just to, for the listeners, Armourstone is not something you would put on the floor. You wouldn't put them as interlocking. These are like literally ginormous structures that can, like you said, support like a retaining wall, but it also looks nice and it's extremely heavy, which is why I guess the, the properties of it being as a good retaining structure, it's just that nothing's really going to push it really. Yeah. They're like thousands of pounds. So like yeah. you're not moving them. Some of them are like 500 and some of them are like a thousand, like you're moving them with a machine. Some of them yeah. you can't even move with smaller machines. Well, Joe's being modest. He can probably lift an armor stone, just walk it from his car over. So, you know, if you see Joe, he can carry armor stone. I'm not going to lie. I've done some drugs where I've actually uh, done some of this by hand, but they just like, 
it didn't make sense to bring a machine in. So I've done stuff by hand and I kind of like, I kind of like doing that kind of stuff sometimes. I feel like I'm like a caveman or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, excellent. Excellent. So one question I always like to ask, uh, I'll ask the guests. And, and like I said, it's, it's also for the, the, the goal of the podcast, we're trying to educate, motivate, uh, I guess, people to, to do their own business, whether it's side or full time, but also to know what, uh, you know, the real stories, right? Not just all the good stuff, but also some of the things, some of the challenges. So I guess, so, so Joe, in this case, so you've been doing this a while. What has kind of been like your biggest failure in the business, but also your greatest success so far? My biggest failure has been in the past. I've done, I've taken on too many jobs at once because of my ambition and I've taken longer to do jobs and there was a lot of stress involved. Um, and I, I empathize with the customers and they empathize with me. Like you have to kind of mediate, but it's been, it's, I've had that in the past where I've just taken on too much work and I met on top of it. Like you have to do all of the other things like, um, you have to do your numbers, your accounting. Like, I mean, you have an accountant, but like you have to, everything is on you. And basically like, it's whatever you put into it. So if you're out there at like seven in the morning and you're working like 10 hour days and you're effective and you're effective with your guys and you plan things out correctly, things are good. But if you ever slack off or if you're not as organized, which I don't care what anybody says, everybody has been there. We're not flawless. No human being is flawless. As much as we say that, it's not flawless. So that is a challenge too. Like you want to make sure that you're covering everything. And then plus it's a physical job. So it's hard work. Quoting can be challenging sometimes because like we have a standard that we charge and I'm not in the, I'm not in the business to be competing with prices. Like I do the best that I can and I try to save the most amount of money but there's a certain level where we have a standard and I want things to be done properly. And I don't want someone looking at my work and thinking I did a hack job. And I find a lot of these other companies that rush things, they just want to make the money and leave. And a lot of them will charge less. I don't even know how they're doing it, but that's another, that's another challenge is competing. Like I find when I'm doing like cold calls, if it's not a referral, it's, like sometimes I feel like I'm almost competing and I'm not really a big fan of competing in prices. I, I do the best that I can to save as much money, but uh, and that's not the type of business I'm trying to run. I'm not trying to run like a, like a bargain basement business. I'm trying to like, do, I'm doing the best work I can and I want it to look nice. Like no matter what house it is, even if it's like a small townhouse, I want whatever I put on the house to look nice and to last a long time. No, no. I mean, you're perfect. You're totally just fine in that logic, too, because yeah, I can relate a little bit because when I used to run my mobile detailing business, when I used to clean cars, I, you know, I used to clean detail cars. So a lot of clients or prospects who come up to me and they say, oh, uh, I used to have a website. I had all my prices listed there. So you kind of knew what you were getting. And some of them be like, oh, but I know a guy down the street for like, you know, $20 less. Can you do that? Or $50 less. Can you do that? And I'm like, I always tell them, you know what, I think they might be a better fit for you, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's same this, it's, it's still the same level of work, still the same style of labor, you know, regardless of whatever you charge, right? So you have to be very cognizant of how you price things, but also to know you, you don't want to race to the bottom, right? That's no. the problem when you want to see, oh, can you do it uh, less, less? Because that, that's what, I mean, clients are always going to ask that. That's a normal thing. Because I think the standard thing is, if we can get, uh, you know, a Tesla for a Honda Civic price, then, you know, why don't we? Right. But then you, you start when you get when you're really starting to get that nitpicky where you're like, you know, you're really trying to trying to undercut what the with what, what this providers like yourself is doing. It, it doesn't do you many favors because one, you're not going to be happy with the quality of the work. Right. The material they you they might use might not be the best. So then it might not be as long lasting because you can tell with Joe, like, he puts really make sure he makes sure that the products that he's putting on a job is of good quality. He's not going to get the cheapest stuff out there just for the sake of it, right? No, and the thing is too with even with cheap quality stuff, like you can get cheap quality product, you're still going to pay the same for the labor. So you might as well pay the extra little bit to to get the nicer stuff. It's more of the it's more the labor and like what it takes to do the job properly and 
you know, we've we got to pay people that work for us and we got to pay for our bills too. Like it's, it's, um, I don't know how some of these companies do what they do. Like I've listened to some of the pricing and I don't know if somebody's just saying that to me to get a cheaper price out of me, but I've, some of the prices I've heard that people are doing for the same job that I'm offering it. The thing is, if someone can tell you they're going to do all these things and then they end up delivering something completely different. And that's, I think that's what usually happens. Mm-hmm. with the pricing, but I break everything down. Like I literally break down all the pricing. I show exactly where the money's going and like it's stuff that I can, because we've done it for so long, I can literally just like refer to another house that we've done and, and uh, I can show them the process and, and why it costs what it costs. Like I've had people question certain things and I've answered them and then they understood. They're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like we charge for excavation and, and stone and stuff. Some companies just put it all in one square foot price. I, I separate it. I show that, you know, there's a bin coming out of here. There's stone that has to go in here. There's preparation and then the interlocking. So I kind of separate everything. Some companies just do everything in one, one lump sum. I separate everything. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Interesting. So, and I guess it's it's like it's more, there's more transparency when you kind of separate. Now, now you're not going to go all the way to the points of like nuts and bolts and to the point, but you can definitely talk about different phases of it. So if the job is going to cost 10k here's how much here is the breakdowns of you know excavation is going to cost this much and then the interlocking is this much here's the labor cost so you can kind of see it right so it's not like they're saying that they're putting on one lump sum and when they give you the deposit that's going to go into joe's tesla fund right so it's not gonna it's nothing like that yeah i know not like that at all <laughs> excellent so all right, we're not like that so now we're going to go from the tips from the pro segment so so joe this is the part of the show where you know we have an aspiring you know, entrepreneur that maybe wants to get into landscaping, they want to start in this business. So they might have very specific questions. So being a pro, this is where we start to ask you, okay, if you were to start over again and how you would advise a new person, here's how it would be. So question number one. So I'm new to this. Should I diversify my offerings or should I try to keep it simple? Or should I, so let's say, because obviously with outdoor landscape, it's a lot of different things. You got driveways, you got backyards, porches, patios, is there anything that uh, if someone's new, should they try to just focus on just one of those pieces or could they, should they try to do a lot of different ones? Well, I think you could do all of the landscaping part. I just wouldn't be like a person that's doing landscaping and, and then focusing on other parts of the trade, like other trades. Like I wouldn't be doing multiple trades. I try to get good at one. Right. I try to focus on one thing and get good at it because it takes a long time to get good at a skill. It's not like, unless you were like a carpenter before, like an electrician before, that's a different story. But like, I would try to learn one thing and get really good at it first. Is there a particular niche that you find within your space of all the different jobs that you have that's a, that would be probably like a good job that maybe someone should, who's just getting started should even go into? Is, you know, would it be a patio? Would it just be like a backyard, a small backyard type of setting? Or should they try to do driveways? I mean, what, what's your take on that? If you're just starting out, I would just start out with just trying to do basic. Like if they're trying to build the skill, I would just try to do like basic, um, like a basic patio and a basic walkway and uh, try to learn how to, how to, you know, build steps. Because that's like, the, that's the basic there are minimum that you need to know, right? If you're doing walkways and patios, because people are asking for walkways, patios. Most of the time people aren't asking for driveways because it's really expensive to do all stone driveway. Usually people just do this, the, the edges mm-hmm. and then get the middle asphalt. But yeah, I would learn how to do that stuff. The excavation, like excavation is like, I would learn how to do that first. Then I would learn how to do, um, I will learn how to do the stone work, but you can also, um, sub out an excavation person. Like if you know someone that has a machine, you could sub them out and, uh, pay them and then do the other stuff if you're good at that. And then slowly learn how to do it. Cause it takes a little bit of time to learn that stuff. 
Yeah, I think you, you brought up a good point is to know that it's it's okay to outsource. I think that the challenge that most small business owners start with is that they feel they got to do everything themselves. You know, I mean, for something like this as well, if you know someone who can do, like you said, excavation, that's a very big part of the job too, right? Because that's, you got to make sure you dig deep enough in and God forbid you're hand shoveling that whole thing. It's not the, not the most fun, but I always say that it's better to get, you know, to outsource that so you guys can split the the fees versus, you know, trying to do the whole thing yourself and then you're stressed and then you're tired, your back is sore and everything, you know, is it really worth it to not just share? It's 50% of something versus 100% of nothing, right? So yeah, exactly. So what it should be the first uh, equipment I should buy first? I would start, well, I would definitely, you need like a Bobcat. I would get a I would get uh well you don't need to buy a bobcat, you can rent that, so you don't necessarily need to buy that. Um I would definitely have a truck. You need a truck, uh trailer, like a dump trailer, like a five ton is good enough at the start. And then you need claws. You need like a cutoff saw. Mm-hmm. Uh I'd probably have one or two. So you have a backup, uh compactor, you need rake, shovels, um, string lines good. So all those are great, Joe, but which would be the first one, in your opinion, if you were to start over again? What would you get first? Obviously, you said you could rent the Bobcat, but I know you need all of them, but if you only can pick a little bit and have to reuse just whatever you have at home, what would be the first thing you'd get? You definitely need a truck. There we go. <laughs> truck it is, because... <laughs> you don't have a truck, what are you going to do? You're going like, to strap it to the, the head of a, you know, a Mitsubishi, like, Lancer, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, we're talking about it's a Mini Cooper, man. That's what I'm going to be yeah. using, right? So. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you imagine Armorstone inside a Mini Cooper? I'm just kind of curious how that would work. I've seen guys load, literally load stone in the back of car. Really? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I've, I've seen it. I don't know what they were doing. They probably destroyed their suspension, but I've seen people do it. Wow. Well, definitely get a truck. That's That's for sure. So next question there, Joe. So in your opinion, what is the threshold of keeping, like, I would just say, like, so how many jobs should you have, like, in the in the pipeline to actually bring on people as an employee versus keeping them just as, you know, just as a contractor or a subcontract? How many jobs you should have to keep people busy? Yeah. So, I mean, because the challenge is, obviously, when it comes to hiring, you know, when you, when you start to bring people on, you want to make sure you have enough work in the pipeline so that they're busy, right? Because now you're paying you know, they have a salary or whatever the case may be, you're paying them hourly versus, you know, she just keep very lean and just only bring them in just for when you have a job ready. What's your opinion? Yeah, The, the problem with that is you're like, you can do that in the beginning, but you're always going to be in between people and you're never going to get like quality people if you do that. You need to have people that you can have all year consistently. So you need to have, it could be one job at once. Like, I mean, one job could last you a month. It could last you even longer, just depending on how big it is. If it's a really big job. And if you have a couple of guys, they're going to be working every day on that job. And then you could have three jobs that are smaller and they're all in the same area. And you could have, you know, the guys all, all working on those jobs as well and, and keeping them busy. Do you find that the labor costs have gone up over the last year or so? I mean, I've heard, I've always heard people saying that they're, you know, they're having a hard time trying to find the right people. Well, I think, I think it's a combination of like, you can't blame just the people that you're hiring. Like you have a part in that. Depends on how you're treating people, how you're presenting them, how you're paying them. Um, I do find that people nowadays, like compared to like 10 years ago, um, things have changed a lot in terms of uh, morale and work ethic. And I don't entirely blame that on people. Like I think that the way society has gone, it, people's work ethic is degrading a lot. And part of it is like social media. Part of it is this COVID thing that has gone on where, you know, a lot of people were getting benefits. And I'm somebody that I didn't collect any benefits during COVID, like nothing. I had to like pay my bills and and I didn't even apply. But I did notice a lot of people, a lot of people want to work for cash and get paid. Like they wanted to get paid benefits. And I'm like, they wanted their, their COVID benefits on the side. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. We're running a legitimate business. And I found it was a lot harder to find people to help. There's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines without work right now. And they don't want to work for 
I don't know what they're expecting in terms of wage. I do get it that it's really expensive to live right now, but there's only so much you can pay someone if they don't have skills. Like if you can't leave them on the job to do everything, you can't, it's not like you can pay them like $30 an hour and they, they can't do a lot of things, but that's, you need a skill to be able to get paid that much. And I find like a lot of people expect to get more money because of inflation and because the minimum wage is risen. Like that's another thing. It's going up to 1550. I don't know if it already has, but I saw that it's going up to 1550 and if inflation is, is creating a little bit of an issue as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I found guys like I've, it's taken a long time and it takes a really long time to be able to find people that will stick around. Like I have like two guys now that I know are going to stick around. And sometimes it's better just to have a couple of guys. Like you can have five people working on a job, which I have, but if two of them aren't working or if they're like, you know, when you leave, they're not doing the job and they don't care. They can cause problems for everybody else. They can slow everybody else down. And then it's like, you only have you and nobody else and you're babysitting. So it's like, it's better to, to take care of a couple of guys, pay them properly and treat them properly and, and do good work than to have 10 people and, and everybody's all over the place. So start lean, right? So don't, don't feel like you need to, you know, hire a bunch of, let's say high school students doing summer job, like a, like a part time, like a summertime job versus, you know, better to find really good people that, uh, like you said, that are hardworking, they, that are they're very talented in that respect and treat them and then slowly bring in people. But not, don't, don't don't get into the rush of, oh, I want to have X number of jobs. So I got to have X number of resources that can that, that can cover all these different jobs. Right. So, yeah, if you're physical and like cognitive and you're like really like good with your hands and you know what you're doing, you can do a lot of stuff by yourself. You don't even need you don't even need to have anybody in the beginning. You can literally just do everything by yourself. I've done, I've gone periods where I've done everything by myself and I, it takes longer, but uh, you just take your time and get it done and tell your customers, listen, this is a, I mean, a lot of customers understand nowadays when you say, Hey, you know, we're short on people. It's just me today. Yeah, a lot of people understand. That's another thing too, with now the way people are now is people are a lot more like lax and daisy with working. Like they'll, they'll show up one day and then the next day they don't show up. It's like, I know I feel like they the way like our parents generation probably grew up is a lot different than ours now. Like before people used to be really consistent with work and like not calling it sick and stuff. Now, especially since COVID has happened, it, that's degrading a lot. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, right? I think, I don't know if it's people, some of it is maybe people's legitimate fears. Others, people might just be milking the, you know, oh, I get uh, X number of sick days a year, so might as well just uh, load them up. Right. Use them yeah. all up before all that sort of stuff, which is which is sad because, you know, what, taking a day off once in a while because, you know, you need to recharge. That's fine. But if you're just doing it just for the sake of, oh, well, I know I'm entitled to all these days. I might as well just use them all up. And, you know, and you're not putting in good quality work. Then that's kind of a you got to scratch your head a little bit there. So. All right. Next question there, Joe. So um, as a landscaper, is there any special insurance that you guys have to get? Um, yeah, it's just, it's just basic insurance that I get from my insurance company that covers something goes wrong on the job. Uh, nothing, any, anything spectacular. It's just what the insurance company recommended me get. So I have just like a basic insurance for landscaping. And then I also, and it's also for like, if you have tools in the back of your truck, you know, something goes missing, supposed to cover that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's like WSIB if you have for, for if you have people on on site and stuff like that. That's that's a given. Um, I thought you meant more just in terms of like uh, an insurance company. I also like obviously your vehicle and my trailer's insured um, for commercial. So you kind of need to have those things as well to make sure that uh, you know if something goes wrong. I think it's also for if somebody you know trips on something. 
you know, if they go to court, uh, the insurance company covers. Yeah. And the, the general liability, I think, is, is definitely something that you got to make sure at bare minimum have something like that. The government, someone gets hurt. I think it's two, two million. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's like two million, up to two million or something like that. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, yeah, we're not insurance, like Joe and I, we're not insurance advisors. So obviously we want to say talk to a right, talk to an insurance, uh, you know, advisor on that. But yeah, from the, what I've heard from various owners, two million seems to be like the minimum because not to say that we're ever, we're all going to be going to court anytime soon, knock on wood. But, you know, apparently if you, before then, if you only got like a million dollar general liability, you know, it, the minute you get sued, that gets chewed up fairly quickly in the court system. Right. So, especially if there's medical problem, like if someone has a medical problem, the problem is that some people, if they get hurt, they can't. Some people may never be able to work again. So you yeah. need to like compensate them. And I think it's two million. I'm not sure if it's ten million. I know like two million was like, I think that's the house house insurance too, right? There's could be. I wouldn't be surprised. Like when you have house insurance, but it might be more. It might have been more. I, I don't quote me. I believe it's between like two and ten million from. Yeah, and from, like uh, I said talk to the, the right advisor. They'll let, they'll let you know what the right amount is. But yeah, cause you can't just have a small policy. And then when you use up the money, you can just try to add to it. It's like, you know, you're paying rest out of pocket. So it's best to make sure you have the right amount of coverage. So excellent. All right. Last question on this one here for the, for this one, what is your best strategy to deal with difficult clients? Talk to them, see what the concern is. Stay calm, be diplomatic. Don't, uh, don't act insecure with them. It's business. It's not personal. If somebody gets mad at you based on a business um, transaction, doesn't mean that they're clinicking against you. Like you can't reacting emotionally is really bad. It's not. Anytime you react emotionally, it's better to just even if someone's like angry at you, you just gotta be calm. And most of the time, if somebody's being unreasonable, they'll usually see it. I, I see the good in people, so. Most of the time, it works out. Sometimes you get people that are just really difficult to deal with, but uh, you just have to stay cool with them and diplomatic. Yeah, I mean, like if you want the relationship to go even sour, by all means, please just start a heated conversation with someone. If you want to get worse, then then get very personal with them. That that's the that's the way to expedite this relationship, even burning up even more. Right. So you said service with a smile is sometimes some, what, what of my, some of the guests have, have uh, recommended is to, you know, make sure you're very upfront. Like you said, talk to them like a regular person, try to see from their shoes if you can. And uh, like you said, just make sure you're a professional because they'll remember your professionalism. They will also remember if you're a jerk to them. Right. And if you remember back in the day, Joe, where before social media, you know, if someone wanted to complain, let's say someone found you through the yellow pages and they had a bad experience with you, they might just they might just tell only their immediate friends and family. Nowadays, with Yelp and all these and Google reviews and stuff like that, people can now influence that rating on your entire company. So, you know, stay professional and don't like you said, don't don't get personal with it because it, it it's not going to go well. <laughs> it's not going to go well at all. No, definitely not. So, last couple. So, these are a couple more of the lighter questions here. So. Because you're really busy. You're doing a lot of work. What's your work-life balance like? How do you balance friends, family, loved ones, and this business? Because, you know, this is very, like you said, you're sometimes you're on site for almost the entire day, sometimes maybe 10-hour days. Well, I might be the wrong person to ask that because uh, <laughs> I'm not married. I'm not married and I don't have kids. So um, <laughs> maybe I'm not very good at that part. <laughs> I have a family and like I do, I do train, like I do fill my extra time with like martial arts and stuff like that. So, and, tra- and exercise. So I just try to make sure that I always have like at least an hour of the day to like focus on myself because you can't, it can't all be work. You'll, you'll have a breakdown. It's all work. Right. If you push yourself too hard, you need to have some downtime and like you can control that. So just be effective with your time. If you're not effective with your time and you're just, dragging your feet all day you just need to have a plan if you have a plan you can do anything like i, I always hear people say they don't have time to exercise they don't have time to do this they don't have time to do that you can make time for things you just have to plan them in your day yeah you have to plan correctly wake up at the right time time things correctly if you get things done within and we're not perfect sometimes it doesn't work out like that but you do your best right 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And no one's flawless. Like you said, we're not flawless people when it comes to this. Even no matter, even everyone has different suggestions how to try to balance it. But the bottom line is, like you said, just make time in whatever way, shape, or form it is, whether it's an hour or if it's like meeting with friends or family or loved ones, if it's just like maybe just an hour or two on the weekends, if that's the only time, but at least try to have something there. So it's something that I think, especially if you're, if you start a business, it's so easy to just get so immersed in it that you forget about family, family and friends, right? Cause you're just focused on building your business, running your business, dealing with all the issues and all that sort of stuff. But when you don't have time to decompress, you can talk about, you know, I think like when one of my previous guys mentioned, it's kind of like you're trying to run a marathon at a sprint's pace. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, right? No, it doesn't. You'll get burned out and then you won't have any energy to finish. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So what has been like the funniest story that you've been working on, like through all the jobs you've done, you know, like hundreds upon thousands of jobs. It, can you share any type of one of the funniest stories that you've had on a job site? I don't know. I'm trying to think right now. Something that looks funny. And family friendly. So we'll keep it we'll keep it between those ones. Yes. Well, I have I have a relative that so my family's Italian. I have a I have a relative that's not the not the greatest at uh, literacy. So he, he put a he put a sign up on one of the jobs going into the pool area and it said no entry or else but he spelt it wrong. It was no entry or else and the customer came out and goes, I think that's uh what am I kid wrote on one of your <laughs> like nah I'm sure that was my cousin and I just started laughing and we all started laughing. Yeah, it was me and we all started laughing. Oh my goodness. So they thought that your sign was vandalized by someone by by maybe their what, kids. What is their kid? It was in crayon, right? <laughs> wow. I'm not gonna say any names, but it was funny. It was a long time ago, but it was it was a funny one. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. All right, question number one. What would your 15-year-old self imagine you'd be doing right now? The same thing that I'm doing right now. Oh, that's a great answer. Excellent. All right, next question. Okay, would you rather have a voice like Gilbert Godfrey or Fran Drescher? Gilbert Godfrey actually doesn't really sound like that, so I'd like to be him. I don't think I'd want to sound like Fran Drescher. That that wouldn't match my physique. Even her voice doesn't even sound like that, too. So it's like when, I guess when they're in the performance mode, they really crank it up a notch. But I've yet to hear Gilbert Godfrey, like a natural voice. I don't know. He's funny. So I feel like if I had his voice, I could do voiceover work. So I would just, I'd rather Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Excellent. I would probably say the same thing. So, all right. What is your favorite microwavable food? My favorite microwavable food? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know, like leftover, like lasagna or something like that. <laughs> Not bad. Leftover lasagna. For some reason, mine, I can actually make a 60 second, I guess like a chocolate chip cake, a mug cake. So you make it in a mug. So that, that's, that's kind of my thing if I can make it because it doesn't take me long. And we're tr- we try to be more keto-ish like while Mrs. K, my wife, tries to make us do that. So then I can, I look for recipes like that. But 60 second, that's one of my favorite ones. But uh, excellent. Okay. Now, Joe, do you have a signature move or a quirk that people notice and comment on? A signature move or a quirk? Uh, well, this doesn't relate to my business, but I get made fun of for the faces I make when I train jujitsu. Oh, <laughs> looks like you're trying to lift armor stone. Is that what your that face you look like? No, I think I probably look crazy, but I'm in the middle of getting choked. So, <laughs> <laughs> so people notice the face. What, what belt are you right now in, in jujitsu? I'm getting pretty close to purple, but I'm like, black and blue belt with four stripes. I have to like differentiate that because if anybody doesn't know, it takes a really long. I've been in the blue belt for like seven years. Wow. That's great. So you're a four stripe blue belt. And yeah, people, it's not like karate where you can probably fast track your way to getting different colors. In the jujitsu space, it things take a lot longer. And it's not like you have to go to every class just to get attendance points that you'll get a belt. It's like, you know, you have to real the, the the professor or the instructor, for those who are not familiar, they really have to make sure that you're ready before you're ready to get the next belt. So you have to get four stripes before you're even ready for another belt. Like Mrs. K right now, she is like, she's a four stripe white belt. She's been doing this since maybe 2019 or so. So she's, uh, I'm very excited for her to get her blue belt. So, you That's know, awesome. yeah. And uh, I guess she's scared about the shark tank or whatever people so, call uh, it. The corridor. Yeah. 
The cor- that, that's what you're, that, when you guys do it, it's called the corridor? Yeah, not everybody does it. Uh, they did it to me when I got my blue belt. It's when everybody whips you in the back. But you could choose what, if you want to do it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, and for those who are familiar with the sometimes the shark tank or the shark pit or whatever whatever you call it, it's usually I think for some of the gratings, it could be almost like an hour over an. It's like oh, it's definitely over an hour, right, Joe? It's like to to do some of these tests, right? Yeah, I I actually came from a gym where they kind of did it a little bit differently. My first gym, I'm at a gym now where they do like formal grading, but my other gym, like you could just show up one day and they just thought you were ready and they would bump you up. Oh, yeah. So it was a little bit different. So I haven't actually seen how they grade. Like I've seen them grade. Like I've seen that we did have a formal grading, but like you could get dumped up without even doing all of that. They usually just watch your technique. Um, my gym now there's grading. Yeah, and we do do Shark Tank there as well. Yeah, where you're in there for an hour. It depends. Like sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's half an hour, and you're in the middle. You're either in like the guard or you're doing takedown. And yeah. uh you it, stay in the middle if you keep going. Yeah, and the, so for those who are not familiar with it, is that it's like a shark tank where you basically have to roll for almost the entire time. And uh, you're not just going up against like beginners and white belts. Sometimes you might, because when, when Mrs. K actually started jujitsu and she was asked to go to a grading, what the professor was telling her is, that, oh, we just need more women to help, you know, to help some of these people who are testing for belts, right? So she thought, oh, okay, I'm just going there to help, you know, test other people. And then she came back and then she had, she just got her first white stripe. And then she looked at me, she's like, look, and look what I got. And she was so proud of that. But to actually get a belt, it's a bit of a harder story because you're going to be going up against a lot of, I guess, what they call sharks. So you're going to be dealing with purple belts, like soon to be Joe. And then you got brown belts and maybe even roll with some black belts and they're, you know, they will definitely push you to the point because you don't really get much of a break. It's not like you can do a two minute roll and then get a five minute break. You're going there for almost like half hour, hour, hour and a half straight. So yeah, that's, that's a bit, uh, that that's tough. So, so back to the rapid fire stuff. It's the choke face that you make. All right. Excellent. So last question I got on this one, Joe, is what is your theme song and why? So when you're walking down the sidewalk, if that song hits, when people hear it, they know Joe is coming. What song is that? Right now, my theme song is, I listen to a lot of black metal right now. So it'd be something by like Deep Blue Boar Gear, which I probably nobody that's listening even knows who they are. They're a band from Norway. Okay. Uh, it's pretty intense, but uh, I think it's real. That's what getting older. I'm into more like intense metal than I was like when I was younger. Like, yeah. uh, I just feel like that life gets more challenging. I'm, it gives me power. Like when I go run, I listen to this kind of music. Like, I listen to Behemoth too. Like I'm, I'm really big into, uh, into that kind of music. I like the symbolism too. I, I find it interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, all right, Joel, well, this, this has been awesome experience, my friend. So is there any other advice you have for any of the listeners and where can they find you? Um, so I'm on, uh, I have Facebook and Instagram, Sunscape, Interlock and Landscape Solution. You can see a lot of the work that's on there. And I am always putting uh, stories up and updating. Uh, as well as my personal Joseph Galuto. You can find me on there. Advice is just, if you're a business owner, just take it one step at a time. And, you know, one step at a time, you don't climb the, climb the mountain by looking at the whole thing. You do one rock at a time, right? Uh, great, great quote, Joe. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Thank you, Ken. All right, guys, that was episode with Joe Galuzzo, and I think you can learn a lot from this, and I know I learned a lot from this episode, and I think the most important thing I learned was uh, this whole episode, he's been doing this for so long. It wasn't like he was a he just suddenly started a business. He's been doing this for well over 16 years, I think almost 20 years even, is what the best note I got from the, from the episode with Joe is that know your limit, and what I mean by that is, especially in the beginning of the business, is to as an owner, is to try and land as many clients as possible to get that sale, which is good. And I think that's what we should all be focused on in terms of doing that. But know your limit of how many you can reasonably support. Right now, you, you heard the part of the episode where Joe was saying that he was, you know, he prefers to stay on the job. Like he does not want to be because the, the common trend in the, in the uh, construction space is, you know, you're working several jobs 
at once. So you might have a couple of crews and yourself working on a few different things. So when people are see some of those renovation shows that we see on TV now, they're filming that thing in maybe 30, 45 minute episodes or hour episodes or whatever. And uh, it looks like they were there for the entire time when in actuality, they're not. There might be just there for like an hour or two for that one particular day of filming. Right. And you're not going to see that. So trying to manage multiple jobs at once. So in this case, in other cases, managing multiple clients at once, you need to know what your limit is. As much as I would love to say, I would love to have a hundred clients all paying me really good money. But if I not, if I can't support them, if I cannot deal with that many clients, then I'm servicing nobody, right? Because then at that point, you're then, you're going to start losing clients because if clients don't feel valued for the service that you are providing them, they're going to want to leave. So to ensure that, I would say, if you don't know where to start, of how many you can reasonably handle, I would say you just keep adding that one extra client until you can start to feel that, okay, I think this is my limit. I don't know if that's five clients at a time, 10 clients at a time, 20 clients at a time, whatever the number is. Just really know that. And then maybe slow down your marketing, right? Either, I mean, I know for some marketing people, they might say, that's nuts. You got to keep it up. It's either that once you hit your limit, you can do one of two things. One, scale back your marketing so you can really figure out if, if that's the real number of clients you can manage. Or two, start to bring people on board to help distribute the workload. I think that's very important because I can imagine for some of other people that have been through this in other ways is that you'll find a really good company that will sell you the moon and uh, just to land your sale and you feel all good about it. But when the service starts to dwindle and you're trying to reach out to them for issue resolution and they're becoming very quiet, they're taking longer to respond because it develops a really sour taste in your mouth. So let's not do that, uh, small business owners, okay? So find out what your limit is and then adjust what you need to adjust. Add more, reduce your marketing so you don't get as many calls or as many emails coming in until you've leveled it. And then, then and once you're satisfied with the support you're able to provide, then take on another client. So don't rush to get all these clients. And also remember, don't you don't have to get all the clients because some of the clients you probably don't want to deal with in the first place. They could be a pain in the butt to deal with. So know your limit and stay within it. All right, guys, that's a, I had a great time filming this episode and I hope you did as well. So I'll see you on the next one.